Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. So today we're going to get on with a message this morning and it is titled Deep Cleaned. How many love deep cleaning? Yes, yes all you weirdos love deep cleaning, right? I hate deep cleaning. I love to throw stuff out, but I don't like cleaning, right? I like, but we all need a little deep cleaning sometimes, right? Because God, so many, oftentimes we come to God just for surface level stuff. And God wants to do a deep cleaning in our hearts today. And so today the theme is, is deep clean, the reward for gratitude. You know, as we just had Thanksgiving dinner, we sat across from our family and we were so glad that they were there. And maybe you wrote down some things you were thankful for, some things that you uh, just praise God for, for this year. I know we did that as a family, but as believers, it shouldn't just be one day a week, you know, one day a year, right? As believers, we should always be thankful. We should have an attitude of gratitude. We should, we should be the most thankful people on the planet because we have more to be thankful for than anybody, right? Because Jesus has saved us. He has set us free. His work on the cross allows us to be thankful. And as a believer, we work out of that thankfulness, don't we? Everything we do is, in, is, is out of gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. And I don't think we realize the, the power that gratitude has in our lives. And so today, as we open scripture, I hope to, to open up a little bit about that power that gratitude has in our lives and that Jesus has so much more for us when we just come to him in the right attitude. Amen. So if you have a scripture, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. This is going to be our primary passage today. And I just want to open this up to you. And as always, let's, let's stand for the reading of the word because the word is important. It's, uh, it's, it's very important. So we're going to read it together. You ready? I'm going to read it. You can listen. All right. Just to be clear. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to his face on the ground and uh, Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that we all leave here with an attitude of thankfulness, God, that when we leave, we learn how to posture ourselves to be thankful. Lord, that our voices and our words uh, just speak thankfulness, God, that what's in us comes out of us, and that is gratitude. Lord, I pray that this message would penetrate the hearts of those that need to hear, their ears would open, their eyes would see. Lord, help me to speak today because I need it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. 
Now, as Jesus was walking along, he sees these 10, these 10 lepers and they're at a distance. And they're saying, Master, Master, have mercy on us. We need mercy. And, and how many of you, uh, and he gives them mercy, right? He says, go and show yourself to the priest. And then when, you, when they do that, they can go back into the community. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But how many of you have helped somebody out in a hard time and then you never see him again? Right? You're like, no. Maybe it's the person next to you. Don't, you, know. you, you see him, so I guess you saw him again. But maybe you helped somebody out and they never said thank you. There was no gratitude. You know, there, there was just like, did, did it even matter that I helped this person? Right? And then, and then we're going to talk about that. But then also with Jesus, these guys take their healing and nine of them walk away, but only one comes back. Nine of them took their healing that Jesus gave them, and they never came back, but only one man did. And so I think this one man can teach us a lot about gratitude. This one man can teach us that, you know, when God does something in us, even when other people do something for us, we, we have the opportunity and we have the responsibility to, to not only just take what they give us, but to be thankful for what they give us and to express that thankfulness. And so I want to break this passage down for you. And there's a couple uh, notes in here that aren't really about gratitude, but they're just too good to pass up. I can't speak about this without uh, sharing this with you as well. So at the beginning, you see these 10 lepers. Again, they're, they're crying out at a distance. Jesus tells them, go to the priest. Go to the priest. So why did Jesus ask these lepers to go to the priest? Well, back in those days, uh, the priest would declare someone clean or unclean. And so if you had leprosy, you had a skin disease, obviously you were contagious. You didn't want to get around people because it could kill them. And so the priests would go in and they would look at them and they would say, okay, you got no spots. You're good. You can go back home. And, and so Jesus tells these men, go to be cleaned. And on the way, it says, on the way they were cleansed. You know, there's many times when Jesus asks us to do something or, or, he, or he wants to do a miracle in our lives. And we don't see it at that moment. There's always something that we have to do to activate that miracle. You know, when I walk into a bathroom, you know, those, those really cool self-automated paper towel machines, yeah. right? I can go, paper towels, please come. Nothing. Right? I have to do something. I have to activate something. And when it does, the paper towels come. Sometimes then you're like, come on, give me more. Right? I'm that, I'm that guy. I'm like, come on, hurry up. But there has to be some kind of activation you know, in our faith walk, in, 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 in our walk with Jesus, many times, most times, I would say, he expects us to activate our faith. Like faith is, is active. Faith is only faith, I would even say this, when acted upon. Jesus tells the disciples, go. They didn't see any, any evidence that they were healed. They didn't ask Jesus, um, you know, when we go there to the priest, if we're not healed, they're going to kick us out of town. They may even kill us. Because... We know we're not supposed to be there because we're contagious. People are going to run from us. But you're telling me to go. I don't understand this, Lord. Well, maybe heal me a little bit. At least tell me I'm going to be healed on the way. None of that is said. He just tells them to go. And in obedience, they go. And on the way, they were healed. And maybe some of you today, and this is just a sub point. This is a little extra sermon within the sermon. Maybe some of you today aren't seeing the miracle that you need because you're not doing what God's asked you to do. You're not being obedient. Maybe he's asked you to do something and you're waiting for just all the right things to happen, all the stars to align. You're waiting for some physical evidence of that thing. And he's saying, when you step into it, then the miracle will be there. 
I know there's many times in my life where, where I've said, okay, God, I'm not sure this is what you want me to do or not, but I'm going to step out in faith. And when I do, he meets me there every time. Whether it's, whether it's somebody coming in and giving me some resources, maybe it's somebody having a word for me, maybe it's somebody that I need. Oftentimes, I don't see a miracle until I step out in faith. I mean, think about this. Y'all are getting like the bonus features in, in second service because there's no time limit. All right. <laughs> so please, you can still come to the nine o'clock. It's okay. But think about this. Anytime Jesus healed somebody, what did he tell them? He told them to do something that was impossible. When he healed the man's hand with leprosy, you know, that was shriveled, what did he tell them? Straighten out your hand. That's impossible. When he healed somebody who was lame, what did he tell them? Stand up, get up. He tells them to do something impossible. There's an act of faith that we have to have to see the miracle. And I think somebody in here needs to hear that, that, that there's something that you need to activate to see the miracle. You've been praying for a miracle. You've been asking for a miracle. And Jesus has said, I've already told you to go. You just haven't gone yet. Step into it. And I guarantee you, God's going to be there. He's never let me down. He's never failed me. And so just step into that miracle and allow him to do a miracle in your life. Because obedience to the Lord always activates a miracle. Now, I'm way off my notes, but we're good. That's all right. That's all right. Good, good. And so you see these men healed. So I'm going to get to the, the meat of this message today about gratitude. So we see this one. He comes back. And Jesus tells him, wasn't there nine of you? Where's the other one? Why are you the only one that's here? Where's the other nine at? And so we see this man come back to Jesus, and he does something that the others don't. Now, I don't believe that the other nine were unthankful for what Jesus had done for them. I believe, honestly, because it, it says they were healed. It says they were all cleansed, but only one came back. I think the other nine maybe were just, uh, just excited about what, he, what had happened, and they wanted to get to the priest so they could maybe go back home, maybe be with their family, start back their business, because they had been outcasts for all these years. Don't know how long they've been outcasts. Maybe they were excited about going back to the temple and worshiping God because they haven't got to do that in so long. Maybe they, their mind was just on other things and their thoughts were on other things. It wasn't that they were ungrateful, I don't think. It's just they failed to express their, their gratitude or thankfulness. But this one man, seeing that he was healed, runs back to Jesus, falls on his face, and gives him some gratitude. So here's some things I want to pull from that experience with Jesus and this one man. So how do we express our gratitude? How do we express our gratitude? Because here's the thing, unexpressed gratitude. I'm telling you, because you know this. Remember the guy that you gave money to or you helped out and you never saw them again? Were they unthankful? I don't think they were unthankful. But to you, it didn't seem that they were thankful. So here's the thing. Unexpressed gratitude feels a whole lot like ingratitude to those to whom you are grateful. If I failed to tell my wife I love her, if I failed to show her that I love her, and I just say, well, you know, I love you. It's not the same. When I go out of my way and I express my love or I express my thankfulness, then people are like, oh, I can tell you're thankful. So when you, and so you cannot keep gratitude to yourself. Gratitude always pours out. And I would say even go one deeper. Robert Brolt wrote this. He said, there is no such thing as gratitude unexpressed. If it's unexpressed, it's plain old-fashioned ingratitude. You know, when people don't say thank you or people don't, aren't grateful, you're like, man, why did I even help that guy? It's not that you needed that. 
but it feels like they just took what you gave them and that's all they wanted. They didn't want you. They wanted your stuff. And, and so I think sometimes we come to Jesus like that. We don't want Jesus. We just want what Jesus gives us. And so thankfulness and gratitude really help us open up. It's not, it's not for the Lord. The Lord doesn't need a thank you. The Lord doesn't need a gratitude, but he, he expects us to do it because it's good for us. And so here's what we can learn. Thankfulness is given. In Scripture, it says what? Give thanks constantly. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. We can only give thanks. It's not something we hold inside. It's something to be given away. It's something that we can't keep for ourselves. In other words, true thankfulness will always work its way out of us. What's in us will always come out of us, right? And so when this man comes to Jesus and he's shouting, praise God, I'm healed, and he falls at his feet, he's expressing the thing that was in his heart, and his words were speaking it. And so how do we know that gratitude is true gratitude? Here's two things I want to point out. Number one is our words reveal it. Our words always reveal what's in our heart. And if you're grateful, you're going to say it. There's an illustration of a man I've heard of. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but I've heard it like 10 times, so it's got to be true. But it was his 25th anniversary. His wife was in the corner crying on their, on their date, and she's like, for 25 years, you've never told me that you love me. And he looks at her and he goes, honey, I said I loved you on our wedding night. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. Yeah, guys, that doesn't work. Just some marriage advice, okay? That doesn't work. And, and, and it feels, you know, that's ingratitude, right? It's like, I, I told you once. I mean, come on. It's always expressed. It's expressed. What's in your heart will be expressed out of your mouth. You know, if I truly love my wife, I'm going to let her know that. If I truly love my kids, I'm going to let them know that. If I truly love people, I'm going to let them know that. And the primary means in which I communicate that is through my words. And the primary way that we can uh, give worth or thanks to God is through our words. In Matthew 12, 33, Jesus says this, either make the tree good or its fruit good, or, make, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. And he's talking to the religious leaders here, not you. Okay, Brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That was a hard passage for me. Because when I had become a believer, I still had the mouth of an unbeliever. I worked with a bunch of guys. And when you work with a bunch of guys, your language is not always appropriate. And I knew that my mouth was a hindrance to them because I would say the same things they said. I would joke about the same things they would joke about. And what was coming out of my mouth was not pure water. It wasn't good for them. It wasn't a witness to what Christ has done in my life. And so I was praying, God, help me stop this language. Help me, stop, help me clean up my language. Give me a deep cleaning of my language so it'll come out. And I came to verses like this. And the other ones that say, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I said, Lord, if that's in my heart, I don't want that in my heart. Because I thought that was just me saying things. But deep within my heart was those things, and it was coming out as filth. And, and when you run across people, right, and they throw up all over you with their words, it's in here, and it's coming out here. What's in us will always come out of us. And so today I want to ask you, what's coming out of your mouth? And I'm not talking about cuss words. Is anxiety coming out? Is, is panic or harsh words coming out or unkind words? 
impatient words. I have a hard time with the impatient words. I'm always asking the Lord, God, keep moving in my heart. Give me more patience so it'll come out of my mouth. What's coming out of your mouth? I guarantee you that's what your heart is full of. Because out of the overflow, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But the answer to getting the heart right is in the next passage. It says, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men speak, this is also women, people speak, they will give an account on the day of judgment, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. He says, out of the good treasure in our heart, we bring out good things. So what are you treasuring in your heart? What are you putting in your heart? What what are you storing up in your heart? Those things will always come out of you. Are you storing up thankfulness? Are you storing up peace? Are you storing up kindness? Are you, are, you, are you thinking and ruminating about the things that God's done in your life? Here's something to help you put a little treasure in your heart. Here's something that I've done this week, and it's been so amazing. I've never done that. I don't know why I've never done this. I've always thought it was cheesy or hokey or whatever. We're guys, right? So it was like, I'm not even that cheesy. But I started a gratitude journal. And some of you guys already like, I ain't a gratitude journal. I started a gratitude journal. And so this week, I just wake up, I have my quiet time, and I, I sit there and I write things I'm thankful for until my attitude changes. Sometimes I'm there for a long time. <laughs> right? And I sit there and I write things I'm thankful for, and they're simple things like, God, thank you for the breath of my lungs. Thank you, God, for coffee. Thank you, Lord, for my dog. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for a car. It's been, it's been a lesson in gratitude this week in my house because not only is your family over, it's a stressful time of year. You're trying to get things going, and we've had things break down in my house. And, and today I'm like, Lord, thank you for hot water because we didn't have it for a day. Thank you, God, that you, know, you provided for that. There's things to be thankful for if we just take the time to, to put those things down on paper, and, there, and that thing starts to become in your heart. And then out of that becomes thankfulness. Out of that becomes the overflow. I love what he says. A good tree will produce good fruit. A bad tree will produce bad fruit. And so we can take this to say a grateful tree produces grateful fruit. And then a grateful person produces grateful words. Have you ever been around those people that are just grateful? Like they're thankful? Like I'm highly favored and blessed by the Lord. You know, you get next to them, they say that. And you're like, man, why are you so thankful? Like, you got so much in your life to not be thankful for. They said, oh, but I have so much I can be thankful for. Thankfulness is a choice, and we have to store it up in our hearts. And I love what Psalm 912 says, because it talks about using our words to give a little thanks to God. Psalm 912 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Meaning he's saying, I'm going to tell people about what you've done in my life. From my heart, I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Have you ever been so thankful you wanted to sing? You know, I love seeing these students up here, and they're worshiping. They're worshiping. They're not just singing. They're not just playing. They're worship. I can see it on their face. They're worshiping to the Lord. They're singing songs to the Lord. They're reminding themselves as they sing these lyrics what God has done in their life. Singing does something in our hearts. It's an activation of our mouth, but then it seeps down into our heart, and then our heart becomes what we're singing. 
I say this all the time. Sometimes we sing words because we believe it. And sometimes we sing until we believe it. And that's why we come on Sunday morning and we worship. And I, I'm telling you, some of you miss worship service, the, the song service, all of it's worship. But some of you miss the song service. Like, that's not important. There's just two songs. I know I'm, you're running late. I get running late. I get it. You know, you got kids, you got things. I was there at one point. But if you, if you come purposely to miss the songs, you're missing half of the service. You're missing what God can do in your life. I'm telling you, when I come and I worship and I sing songs, it activates something in my heart. And I'm closer to God. Nothing will get you closer to God like just singing to him, praising him. Ephesians 5 talks about this. He says, don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, how do we fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit? It's right here, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Singing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is what? Singing loud for all to hear. Oh, yeah. There you go. The best way to spread Jesus is sing. Right? You all know it. You got to sing with your heart. There's something about singing that just, it's what we're built for. Right? Singing activates, like I said, it activates our mouth, which engages our heart. And so don't skip the songs. Listen to the songs. Worship to the songs. Sing the songs. I don't care how bad you sing. That's right. Sing loud. That's what my mom said. If you can't sing good, sing loud. But we had a lady in here a long time ago. This is years and years ago. And she would sing during song service, and she'd sing louder than everybody else. But the thing with her singing was it was so off key. But I heard her voice. And at first, I'm looking back, and I just felt in my heart, man, the Lord is just loving her voice right now. Because she's singing with her mouth, but more than that, she's praising with her heart. And that thankfulness is coming out. And the Lord loves to hear your voice, believe it or not. He gave you that voice, so if it's out of tune, just ask him to fix it. But I, it doesn't matter. He still loves you. He still wants to hear your voice. And so we need to activate our hearts by activating our mouth. We have to say that we're grateful. Just like this, uh, this leper, he comes to Jesus and he gives praise to God with his words and with his mouth. And so the second thing we see about giving gratitude is we do it with our mouth, but we also do it with our posture. And so our posture also proves our gratitude. You know, when you were a kid, maybe you can think back. Some of you, it's not that long. Others of us, it's a little long ago. But when you're a kid, if you had siblings or maybe you had a friend you fought with and what happened at the end of it, your parents come together and like, now say you're sorry. And what do you do? Sorry. Right? No, say it like you mean it. Okay. <sighs> sorry. You're still not sorry. You're saying it, but you're not believing it. There's nothing in here. And so our words are one thing, but it's what's in our heart. It's the posture of our heart that matters, right? Same thing when somebody tells you, be thankful, right? My mom was like, tell them thank you. Thank you. I don't want this, but thank you. Doesn't matter. It needs to be thankfulness out of our heart. We have to mean it from our heart. And this man, this, this leper, he has a posture of gratitude. He runs to Jesus. I think this is beautiful because it says in Scripture that while the ten were far away, they screamed out to Jesus, have mercy on us. We can't come near anyone. And the first person he runs to is Jesus. The first person that he knows he can get close to is Jesus. And I, I pray that that's our attitude. 
Like the first person I want to run to is Jesus because he's cleansed me, he's made me clean, and I can come to him. And so we also learn from this that often our posture or our position toward the Lord is also um, determines our proximity to Jesus. Our posture very many times determine our proximity to Christ. Here's the thing. Jesus didn't go anywhere. He stood there. Those men came back. And I'm telling you, you may feel far away from Christ today. It's not because he's moved. He hasn't done, he hasn't gone anywhere. The problem is we've moved. And our posture towards him determines our proximity toward him. What I mean by that is, is there was a young man, I'm just going to use an illustration. There was a young man that we met on our minister's cruise. He was probably about 18, 19, you think, probably. And he came up to us, me and our friends were just sitting there playing cards. Not gambling cards, just regular cards. And he, uh, actually it was, what, what was the game? Roomy Cube, Roomy Cube. Uh, anyway, he shows up, he's like, hey man, tell me about the Lord. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. I mean, there's a whole room full of ministers right there. And he's like, tell me about the Lord. I'm like, well, sit down. I said, well, what do you want to know? He's like, man, how do I get close to him? It's like, well, tell me what's going on. He's like, well, I've been a believer for a while, and, and I, just, I just feel far away. I was like, well, how do you, he's like, how do I get close to the Lord? And I think he was wanting like a quick fix. He was wanting like, hey, say this prayer, and the Lord's going to meet with you. Maybe you, I lay hands on you. Maybe dump a wall on your head. I don't know. Maybe he was wanting a quick fix. But I sat down with him, and, and me and our, my friends started talking to him about how you get closer to the Lord. And the bottom line was you had to posture yourself to meet with him. I asked him, I said, well, what does your devotional life look like? He said, well, I don't really have one. I said, I, I go to bed every night listening to a, a meditation, a scripture meditation. And he said, that's about it. And I said, well, do you go to church? He said, yeah, I go to church. He said, you participate? He's like, yeah. I said, well, do you have a prayer time? He's like, not really. He's like, well, start there. He's like, what do I pray? He's like, just pray anything. It's the Lord. He loves to hear your voice. Even if you sin, this said, Lord, I'm here today. I'm here. I said, well, do you worship? Do you listen to worship music? He goes, yeah, sometimes. I said, well, start singing those songs. It's like getting in his presence. That's what's going to draw you closer. You're posturing yourself to get closer to him. It's like you're scooching up, you know. Me and my wife, we sit down together. Sometimes I scoot up. <laughs> right? It's like you want to be close to somebody, so you're scooching up. That's just kind of our posture. We're like scooching up to Jesus. And so that's what we need to do. We need to posture ourselves like this uh, leper. He postured himself to be in proximity to Jesus. He lays at his feet and he comes to him. So many times we don't want to put in the work that it takes to get to him. Some of us need to get on our knees more and pray. Some of us need to get down on our face and spend time with him. Some of us need to put on some worship music and just sing. What is your, how do you posture to him? There's a, there's a minister called Charles Wesley. If you know anything about Charles Wesley, he wrote a lot of our hymns. His brother wrote a lot of the hymns. But Charles Wesley was a preacher. And it says in his study, in his study, there were groove marks on the floor where he used to pray. And I don't know about you, but I can look in my house and there's not groove marks for me praying. I wish there was groove marks praying, so maybe that's a mark to hit. But he would get on his face every day, and he would pray. I think it was Charles Wesley that also said, I have so many things to do today, I have to spend twice as much time in prayer. He was a man of prayer. He was a man that postured himself to meet with the Lord. There's other greats 
that had also the same thing. If you know the thing about Smith Wigglesworth, if you read that story, it's pretty crazy. But it said when he died, when they were preparing the body, they noticed that his kneecaps, several bones were broken and off to the side from his prayer life. So I think a lot of us, our knees are a little soft. That we need a little calluses on our knees. We need a little face time with the Lord. I think that's us posturing ourselves to him. Make some groove marks <laughs> on the carpet. Make some groove marks in your life. Maybe make some groove marks in your heart to posture yourself with him. We see also this proximity in heaven. These 24 elders are sitting on their thrones. And in this, we read in Revelation 11, this, this beauty of gratitude and thanks that these elders have. It says, the 24 elders sitting on their thrones before God fell with their faces to the ground and worshiped him. And they said, we give thanks to you, Lord God, the Almighty, the one who is, the one who always was. For now you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign. These kings sat and they put their thrones on the ground and they thanked him. Does thankfulness exude from your life? Uh, can, you, can you imagine seeing this in heaven? People are thanking God. Let's thank him now. Let's not wait. The great writer J.R.R. Tolkien said this, the chief purpose of life for any of us. So what's, my, what's God's will for my life? I'm about to tell you right here. To increase according to our capacity, our knowledge of God by all the means we have. And be moved by it to praise and thanks. The more you know God, the closer you are to him, the more praise and thanks is going to bubble out of you. Because you're storing up treasure in your heart. There's a deep cleaning that happens when you get in the presence of God. And what in you will come out of you. And I pray that as believers that, that we get in his presence, the more we're thankful, the more we're grateful, that the more gratefulness and thankfulness pours out of us. And that we come to God and we can't help but say, thank you, Lord. That we don't wake up with bad attitudes. That we don't wake up feeling like we're in lack. We have so much to be thankful for. And here's a beautiful thing. Our gratefulness opens up a greater healing. Our thankfulness does. When these 10 left, I said all 10 were cleansed, but one came back. And notice Jesus' words. It's really strange that he says this. He says, did anybody not come but this one? And then he tells them something very specific. He says, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Wait a minute. Wasn't he just healed? Wasn't he just cleansed? But the other, were the other nine not cleansed? Yes, they were cleansed too. This word that Jesus uses here, this word that's in, that's in scripture is the Greek word sozo. The other healing just means clean, like you're clean. This word is sozo, which means saved, healed, delivered. It represents wholeness. And so Jesus tells this man, he falls to his face and he says, Lord, thank you for healing me. He's like, go, your faith has made you whole. So his body, his physical body was healed. His soul was saved and he was delivered from death into life. He was sozoed. And there's something about gratefulness. There's something about thankfulness that when we come to the feet of Jesus, there's an activation of greater healing. Man, thankfulness is healing in our hearts. This week, it's been a great healing in my heart. I've just had better days just by the simple act of being grateful. Like life doesn't look as bad. The sun's a little brighter. I can put up with a little bit more. Just be thankful 
for what God has put in you. Be grateful for what he wants to do in your life. Because here's the thing, we can mistake God's miracles for his acceptance of who we are. Now, I don't want to confuse you here. There's a difference between saving faith and faith for miracles. These nine only got faith for miracles. This one had faith that was for saving faith. Many people, I've talked to many people, and usually it sounds something like this. Man, when I was 16, I got in a bad car wreck. I should have died. But I know Jesus saved my life. And that's the extent of their relationship with Christ. They took their healing, they took their miracle, and they walked away. And maybe in their mind, they think, man, I'm good. Me and Jesus are good. I'm going to get to heaven. It's good. But Jesus is going to be like, I mean, I helped you out once, but I don't really know who you are. See, there's a difference between faith for miracles and saving faith. Saving faith expresses itself. Saving faith expresses itself in thankfulness. Because like I said here, a miracle in your life doesn't seal your salvation. Your response to the miracle does. Look, when Jesus died on the cross, he saved all of humanity. But not all humanity is saved. Because only the ones that respond to that salvation, they're the ones that are saved. You have to respond to him. You have to be like this one that runs back to his feet and says, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. And he's going to say, you're healed. You're whole. You're clean. I'm giving you a deep clean, not just an outside clean. So I pray that we'll not be like the nine, but like we become the one. Let's not seek just the miracle. Let's seek the miracle worker. Let's not seek just the kingdom of heaven. But seek the one who's seated in heaven. You know, I hear people all the time, like, I just want to get to heaven. And they couldn't care if Jesus was there or not. If Jesus isn't there, it's not heaven, folks. It's his kingdom. Let's not just take salvation. There's so much more to that. But let's live our life expressing the gratitude and the thankfulness that we have. Amen. Amen. Please stand. I want to close with prayer. And if I get the altar team to come up as well. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you, God, for saving our lives. Thank you, Lord. I pray that everyone in here would reflect and see just how good you are, God. That our face would always have a smile on it. That our hearts would be full of joy and a song. Lord, I pray that we would just wake up singing of your goodness that we would not reflect on what we don't have, but God, be so grateful for what we do. Lord, I pray that we're not like the people of Israel that starved in the desert. God, because they grumbled and they complained and they took what you gave them for granted. But Lord, I pray that we are the people that walk into the promise because what you give to us is so, so good. I am so thankful for you, Lord. So this is what I want us to do. Just Open your hands like you're going to receive something. And let's just take a few minutes. Use our words to express our thanks to God. Whatever you're thankful for, just say it. It doesn't matter what other people are saying. So thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me out of the pit. Thank you, God, for giving me purpose. Thank you, God, for getting me rid of my addictions. Thank you, God, for healing my soul and my body. Thank you, Lord, for this moment. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. 
in my life. Thank you, God, for all that you've done and all you're going to do. We love you. No other place I'd rather be, Lord, than at your feet. So, Father, I come to you. I posture myself in gratitude and thanksgiving. Lord, let my heart always be thankful. Let me always remember your ways and remember your goodness in my life. And so today I just want to give you the option. Maybe you're in here, you've never given your life to Christ. And you've had, you've never given that response. And today's the day because Jesus has already done the work. You just have to expect, you just have to accept it. You have to respond to his work on the cross. And he's saying, just come to me. I've already set you free. I've already cleaned you. Let me do a deep cleaning in your life. Let me make you whole. Let me save, heal, and deliver you. That's what he wants to do for you. You just have to come to him. And so if that's you today, I just, I just, I'm going to challenge you to come up and get prayer. And if you need prayer for anything at all, maybe you need healing, maybe Paige's words this morning really hit you. Man, you've been blaming yourself for stuff, and you just need to know. And you need to seal it and say, Lord, I'm not going to agree with that anymore. Lord, I'm going to stand on what Jesus says, that he redeems all things unto himself. And so maybe you're that person today. Maybe you're just full of anxiety and you need peace. Come get peace. These people want to pray with you. It's nothing they do. It's only God working through that activation of faith. And we're talking about activating our faith. That's an activation of faith to walk up and get prayed for. And so, Father, I pray that you draw everyone up that needs prayer, everyone up that needs to, be, that needs to activate their faith to see a miracle. In Jesus' name, amen.